This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. G'day. Thanks for taking the time to sit down for a listen. Or you might be standing, that's also great. Appreciate it. Uh, My guest this week is veterinarian Dr. Lara Davies. Uh, Lara and I caught up and discussed what it's like being a vet and if it's all puppies and kittens. Spoiler alert, it's not. It's definitely not. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Lara Davies, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Thanks for having us in your kitchen slash living room. Appreciate <laughs> all it. in one apartment. <laughs> it's very nice. Uh, now you work today. Yes, yes as I a do. vet. Yeah. Uh, how was your day today? It was good. Not too bad. Pretty cruisy. Standard just, day. Yeah, just consulting today. Nothing. Nothing too bad at all. So what's consulting involve? So a consulting day is um, just seeing clients for straightforward, well, not always straightforward, but just regular consults um, that don't require a procedure or any surgery. It's kind of like the primary place that you start if you think that your pet's unwell okay. and we take it from there. Great. Yeah. Now, I, I think every kid at some stage during their childhood thinks about becoming a vet. Like, yes, definitely. Often like this, you know, firefighters or, you know, artists. And I remember I, I thought vet at one point. Um, yeah. Was this the case for you when you were a child? Kind of. I had – I think I went through the – when I was a kid, I think that I more wanted to – I went through the phase of wanting to be like a hairdresser or yep. a lawyer – a whole bunch of things. I think at one stage I even wanted to go work in the mines. I don't know what was wrong with me. I don't know. Just, just a bogan from the start. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think most people who have a pet growing up definitely go through that stage of wanting yeah. to be a vet. And I think I went in and out of that as a child and then uh, as I got into high school and started doing more science-based subjects yeah. and doing a bit of work placement. Yeah, I definitely. You figured it out. Yeah, got a bit more of a did passion you do, for it. What did you did you have work experience in a 
a vet hospital or anything? Yes. Like? Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. Right. So, um, for our everyone does their year ten work experience. Mm-hmm. Mine was quite a very. So I did it at a Salvo store for. I have oh. no clue why I did that, and then I also. Um, did it at uh, a vet clinic as well. Oh, okay. So, no, it wasn't say, just the <laughs> high aspirations. I was about to say, Salvos did vet, a vet, veterinary <laughs> clinic at one point. They do everything. Yeah, I don't know why I did work in pl- work placement at a charity re- oh, it's good. store. But That's great. More kids should do it. Yeah. But, yeah, also did uh, a couple of weeks at a vet clinic um, and, yeah, just got a taste for the variety of the job and yeah. everything that it can offer and – yeah, my the idea of becoming a vet really kicked off from there. Yeah, great. So, was there yeah. a particular moment uh, when you thought that you know working with animals was for you? Like, for example, were you holding a cat at some point in your life, and you thought oh, I wouldn't mind making an inc- incision into this and seeing what's going on inside? <laughs> Cut it open. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone. So, I had pets growing up, um, and I think most yeah. people who have a pet can agree that you you know you form a special connection with them, and animals yeah. are just amazing things to be able to have and uh, the idea of being able to help them and make a career out of that was great. And then I guess when I was doing uh, work experience, you realise that you can also make a change to the pets' owners as well. It's not just the pets. Um, And I love people as much as what I love pets. So, yeah, yeah, that was a good good career for an opportunity to help both both types. Right. Now, I – Obviously, didn't become a vet um, <laughs> at all, but I imagine Dr. Harry Cooper was an inspiration for a lot of people uh, that are in their sort of 20s to 30s, yep. 40s. Uh, was that the case for you? Oh, yeah. I, look, I watched a bit of um, Dr. Harry growing Harry's up. Practice, yeah, yeah. Harry's practice. Yeah, Harry's <laughs> practice. I, yeah, he, he definitely was, a, you know, I think he kind of sells the job not for what it actually is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, then I watched a bit of a uh, uh, Bondi vet, of course. Mel's more through the high school uh, of years. Of course, yeah. And yeah, I mean, Dr. were you watching Bondi vet for the veterinary side of things, or uh, for, Dr. Or for Chris- the uh, <laughs> bit of both? Probably more the Dr. Chris Brown bit. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, and but I feel like both of them. I'm not sure if they exactly represent what a vet is like now. I right. watch. Um, uh, the Super Vet on SBS. I've heard about the Super yeah. Vet. Mate, he is amazing. Right. So he's great. I'm a bit addicted to a show called Rocky Mountain Vet with Dr. Jeff. Have you ever come across oh, no. that before? It. Uh, I've discussed the one you just mentioned and, yeah, I think they're kind of similar where they're big practices. Yeah. Uh, helping people out by making things cheaper and yeah, on a yeah. larger scale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I love it. Is he small animal or large animal? Everything. Or? Absolutely oh, wow. everything. Yeah. They're amazing when they can do the larges yeah. as well. I gave larges a shot. It was not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just too small to be trying to move cows and horses yeah. and stuff around. Yeah. What what amazing. is the what's the entry level big animal? What is it a sheep? Is that where it goes to once you get to a sheep? What's the oh. changeover from small animal to big? So it kind of goes from I think small animal is like domestic yeah. and um, ah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Far. large animals more production. That makes um, sense. But yeah, I guess, you know, you probably you know, some of our large breed dogs are the size of a small yeah. sheep, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But I guess in small animal practice, I've been in small animal practice where, you know, people have pet goats and things yeah. that come in, so yeah, right. yeah. And uh, how, how long did you study for? How long's the uh, study process to become um, a vet? So after high school, you uh, it was a total of six years. So uh, I did undergraduate in science and then right. the postgraduate DVM. I loved uni, and 
I would go back if I could. It was really? great. Yeah. It, you're just really poor throughout you. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, besides that, it's heaps of fun. Um, but I, I'm pretty – people say, oh, you know, you were at uni for so long, like six years, such a long period of time. But I have friends, especially people who came over here from North America to do the course, and they can be studying for eight years or so right. um, to eventually get into it. And, yeah, they can rack up huge hex debts and things yeah. through it. So, well, um yeah. So six years and then you're a full – you can work yeah. anyway? As yeah. A, as a, so you're yeah. fully qualified after the six years uh, as a general practitioner. Right. Um, and then if you want to go on to specialise, say, in, I don't know, um, medicine or surgery or neurology, then you're looking at probably another four to five years of study there okay. afterwards. Right. Yeah. Um, what, what do you practice on when you're doing <laughs> – your university studies, like is yep. it uh, obviously doctors, people will donate their bodies for yep. science. Yep. Is it uh, people donating pets for science as well? Yeah. So um, the way it works is in your final year of studies, you work out at the University of Melbourne Vet Hospital ah, right. um, and you shadow vets there. And if the owners say it's okay, you can practice operations on their pets with another fully qualified vet there watching. And if their pet does pass away, they can sign off for uh, vet students to practice okay. on them. You yeah. also have the opportunity. I don't think they run it anymore, but they had uh, foster greyhounds there oh, uh, right. yeah. where they would house and try and rehome greyhounds. Um, and in the meantime, we could practice like physical exams um, yeah. and, you know, just non-invasive type things on them, yeah. like ultrasounds and stuff. Yeah. But we would never do like a – a surgery for no reason, anything okay. like that. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I see a lot more greyhounds walking the streets now yep. with people. I think they're such a beautiful dog. They seem they're really kind natured and yeah, they're beautiful. I yeah. always kind of thought, you know, they're not the prettiest of dogs, maybe, <laughs> yeah. but they really have the best nature. Like yeah. you know, when they used to, um, you, you, they'd have six vet students, you know, all trying to do a physical exam on the dog, and they just sit there and <laughs> so well behaved. They'd never bite. Yeah. They're just gorgeous and. Whenever I see that I may be examining a greyhound for the day, I always get excited because I know they're just going to be the best patient. Yeah. They're just the best breed. They're lovely. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Now, I've heard that being a vet uh, can be extremely confronting. Uh, mm. It's not all puppies and kittens. No. Um, was there ever a time early when you started, you know, when you first became a vet, you left university? Was there ever a time early on where you had second thoughts about the yeah, decision? Yeah, for sure. So, um, when I was having different second thoughts, you know, trying to decide was I going to do large animals or small animals. Yeah. Um, I guess the time at uni we went to an, we had to do abattoir placement. Right. And that was, you know. Very full on. Yeah, yeah, very full on. There was a stage where, you know, no gloves, sorting through pig guts, looking for parasites. And I thought, oh, God, like six, nothing's worth this. Like, yeah. This is horrible. Yeah. Um, you know, days out on farms, early morning, uh, covered in mud, freezing cold, yeah. doing rectal exams on cows. Like right. I was like, this is just not for me. Or for the cow. Yeah. Oh, the sounds of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, now there's even days in general practice um, when I found that small animal was more my thing. You know, you have days where you're kind of like, oh, God, am I even making a difference? Like, yeah. you know, Clients can be unhappy. You can feel like you're not really saving any animals. Mm. Um, you know, there's also heaps of gross things that come with the job. Like, you know, the not long ago I was expressing anal glands, got anal glands all over my face. Oh, <laughs> Quite disgusting. And, yeah. you know, you think, oh, maybe I should have just done an office job, be pouring coffee or something. Yeah. But so I is think that of a dog? Yeah, of a dog. Yeah, because yeah. people can do that 
at their home. dog at home, can't they? Yeah, but most people will would rather Bring pay yeah. the vet to do it because it is truly that disgusting. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this leads me well, uh, well and truly into my next question. Yeah. I um, another thing I've heard is that the salary of a vet mm. uh, financially isn't what you'd expect. Like people no. say, doctor, you study for a long time. There seems to be a lot of money involved within. Yeah, vet hospitals. Um, Is there any truth to that, that it's not as what you expect? Yeah, so definitely. I think um, when people go to the vet, uh, everyone perceives vets as being quite an expensive place to go, which is fair enough. I can Mm. understand that. But people are usually shocked when they hear about my salary. Um, It's very low. So first year out, um, I was on about $45,000 a year. It's about $24 an hour. Wow. Um, And I was making more money working in hospitality during my university years wow. as opposed to graduating. Yeah. You know, and it does go up, but the award-based salary for the maximum amount of experience for a vet is $34 an hour. So that's is they that can right? legally pay you that. Yeah. So yeah. having your own practices maybe Yeah. The, so the, is that what a lot of people strive for when she Yeah. So generally places won't pay to the award. Um, like once wow. you have some experience, you have leverage to be paid yeah. above the award. And I'd say experienced vets, you know, you can expect an average salary of about seventy-five to $80,000 a year, which is quite good. But like Still said, not. Yeah, yeah, far less than a human physician. Yeah. What's a, um, do you know what the base for a, a human physician is? Well, which is- um, as a comparison, I'm pretty sure I'd say they'd be in like, you know, over six figures. Uh, wow. So they'd be within the six figures. Yeah. De- definitely. Wow. I'd it- say, you know, their job, you know, you're working with humans, there's more pressure. Um, mm. But yeah, like you said, in terms of study and uh, knowledge and things like that, um, it, you don't get jealous, but it's, it's a little bit, it seems, can seem a little bit unfair. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that definitely surprises me because like vet bills can yeah. be astronomical. Huge, Any, anything yeah. you think about the vet, you think, Expensive. Exactly. I've got to take my dog to the vet. This is going to be pricey. Yeah. Same with like you go to the dentist. Definitely. You're going to yeah. pay a lot of money, but dentists would make great yeah. money. You know? Yeah, they make All really that. good money. Yeah. I remember um, my cat when we were kids, uh, her name was Puss. We put a lot of effort <laughs> into her name. <laughs> Very creative. <laughs> she would like to fight possums on a, on a weekly basis. Oh, she was a, just an absolute – she came to our house feral. She just rocked up on the back yeah. door. Step and we just took her in and started feeding her, and then she lasted like fifteen years. And she would fight oh, on a weekly basis, as I say. Possum, she was like the champion of the street, <laughs> and a possum got the better of her, better of her one night and sunk its teeth into her back legs, and we had to take it to hospital. And yeah. it was a long process of yeah operations and things. And yeah. I remember the like we weren't well, we weren't, mm. weren't um, a, a rich family by any means. Yeah. I remember that being. Really hard. Oh, like yeah, it was, it's expensive. Um, like if you're talking general anaesthetics and things, you can easily get up to the thousands. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of the misconception comes from you, you're not just seeing the vet. There's a lot of nurses. There's a lot of equipment out the back, um, a lot of medications and things that we have to pay for as well. So, yeah, it, the bills do seem expensive, but when you actually, like when you break them down – you know, and you should ask your vet. You know, like can you can I ask for a breakdown of the invoice to right. see where this is coming from. But yeah, certainly a lot of it does not go to the wages of vets. It go it gets spread out across a whole range of things. Wow. Yeah. So so is pet insurance worth getting? I feel like that. Yeah. I think, I think the majority of the public might think that's a bit of a scam. It, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it definitely. I feel like nobody likes insurance companies. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It is a – I definitely recommend it. It's – if you're getting – Is someone paying you to say that? Is this <laughs> – <laughs> 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 
if you're getting a puppy, especially like a purebred, right. um, you know, who are more likely to have some issues, I definitely recommend it. But yeah, just be careful. I'm going through something at the moment where I'm actually having to email the insurance company trying to get a client's claim through because they've literally misdated my um, history notes uh-huh. um, so that they could not pay her. So yeah, just make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's actually ridiculous. So, yeah, just read into um, cooling off periods and yeah. uh, excess fees and how m- much per year they'll actually cover you. I just recommend doing your research and if you get a good company, it's certainly worth it. Is there any that you'd recommend? Is there any that um, stick out that people I'm have sure said? I can legally oh, right, I'm not sure yeah. if I can. But I, I'm happy to – like RSPCA. Um, is, well, that's good. Yeah, You're supporting exactly. the RSPCA. Exactly. It goes well, towards yeah. a charity. Yeah. So, yeah. Get um, around them. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing I'm curious about uh, with a vet is operations. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've always been curious because uh, you've got to you know you got to be able to o- operate on a, a vast array of different yeah. animals. Um, yeah. Is it hard to just remember which one has organs in which place? And <laughs> like, are you making? Do you ever make incisions in the wrong spot and think, oh, hang on, this is a yeah. This is a, a possum. Yeah. The, the guts are down that end, you know, things yeah. like that. Is it hard to remember it, where what goes where? Yeah. Look, it is quite. Um, there's definitely a broad range of species that you need to remember, but you, you just refer back to textbooks. Like, um, you know, in my job, I mostly just do cats and dogs, right. but throughout university, you know, you do cows, sheep, goats, pigs, uh, mm. birds, um, and you just look it up in a textbook and you just stick to um, basic physiology and anatomy. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you just cut something open and you just need to go for it. And <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. If you follow the basic rules of surgery, you'll be fine. Yeah. Right. And, and organs sort of generally in similar positions in all yeah. animals? Is uh, that- so it varies in different animals because they have such uh, varied diets and so okay. it can change where organs are and things. So like in a bird, they have very, very different anatomy to cats and dogs, say. Right. But cats and dogs are very similar. And then you've got your cows and ruminants, they're... They're quite different. They've got the four, four stomachs, stomachs and everything course. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, you adapt. That yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the most common operation you perform? I, I was going to guess. Yeah. Desexing dogs. Is that? Yeah, the stand- dogs. Can yeah. you do that with your eyes closed now? You do that many? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> um, yeah. So desexing dogs and cats. Castrations are so simple. Yeah. Like. I've been to quite a few farms where the farmers will just do their own castrations. Yeah. Spays are a little bit more difficult. Like if you're cutting right into the belly and you've got to go in and get around all the different organs and everything and not hit major vessels. So what's that? What's that? So that's um, taking the ovaries and the oh, uterus right. out of yep. a female. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be the uh, the most common surgery that we see. Yeah, I remember because yeah. uh, is it still common practice for farm? They put – like on little lambs and things they put. All the rings. Yeah, is that still yeah, a thing? Yeah, we had to do that through uni. Yeah, it's not very – I didn't like doing no. that. No. Yeah, so, so f- to explain it, you just put like a ring around yeah, the, so, yeah, the sack basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so horrible. You must be flinching talking yeah. about this. So. <laughs> and then it just um, drops off yeah, eventually. Yeah, you literally get – a. Um, so you, you get this machine which allows you to stretch the rubber band uh, over the scrotum <laughs> and then you um, – God, this is a disgusting job sometimes. And then you – it's just a really tight elastic band around the base of the scrotum which literally just devitalizes wow. the vessels mm. and it turns into necrotic tissue and the balls literally drop off. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. 
you give them some pain relief to try and make yourself feel a bit better about doing it. (laughs) Um, What is the strangest animal you've ever operated on? Hmm. Do you you ever operate on snakes or anything like that? Not me, no. 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 Now we've kind of moved into this thing of vet medicine where, you know, people usually specialise in exotics. So mm-hmm. there'd be an exotic vet who would all Oh, is times. that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you, the way you said that then suggested you might not like snakes, is that? No, I think I'd freak out. <laughs> oh, you don't? Really? <laughs> yeah. I thought you'd, there would be a, you'd need to not um, be afraid of any animal. No, actually one of my nurses played a joke on me the other day and booked in a snake for me. Um, saying that it had <laughs> lost its feathers, something stupid, ridiculous like that, <laughs> and she brought in her pet snake and pretended like it was going to be a consult just to <laughs> scare me. So <Right. laughs> don't bring your snakes to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would a um, a snake wouldn't have that many issues anyway, would it? They uh, yeah, so they, they can have. I think. Well, we just learnt about like pretty basic husbandry yeah. um, with snakes at university, and honestly. After university, I had no aspirations to ever <laughs> <laughs> provide medicine to snakes. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure they have their range of issues that they can get as well. But, yeah, yeah I'm certainly no specialist on right. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, dogs love to swallow crazy stuff. Have, oh, you, yeah. have you had operations where you've had to remove a, so, a, ball, a golf ball or anything? I remember we had yeah. a, a dog when I was a kid as well. This is when I was really young, but... It had swallowed about four or five golf balls. We lived on the back of the golf course and yep. it was just sw- stealing them and then swallowing them yep. whole. It was only yep. a little dog, but it had a belly full of golf balls. <laughs> it happens, yeah. People come in like say, you know, my dog just eats stones just compulsively. And <laughs> most of the time they will pass through. I can think of a funny kind of incident happened. Um, a mum came in with her, must have been teenage daughter, and the dog had bouts of vomiting and, you know, mm-hmm. those the type of history questions where you'd think there could be something stuck in its belly that it's yeah. eaten. And so you go through and you ask them the usual thing, like, is there anything that you can think that this dog has eaten, anything that's gone missing? And they're saying, no, no, nothing. And the girl's kind of looking a little bit sheepish over the <laughs> corner. And, um, anyway, you... As you do, I went and did a rectal exam and pulled out a used comdom out the back end of what? the dogs. Oh, no. <laughs> and the daughter just went absolutely, completely bright red. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably the weirdest thing I've ever pulled oh out of Oh, my God. Animal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a mixture of so many different humiliations for the daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my it's God. crazy. You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Uh, on to a, a more serious question. I was, yeah. I was keen to ask you about um, some more serious sides of the vet world. Mm. Uh, do, do you get many animals coming in uh, with injuries that are a result of animal cruelty? So it's a bit hard to tell sometimes because people mm. will almost never come in saying, you know, I've beaten my dog and now right. it's got a broken leg type yeah. thing. You need to – and this is the type of things you just need to kind of get experience to pick up on. Like if someone comes in repetitively for a dog that keeps seeming to get traumatic injury and things like that, then you start questioning, you know, is this actually an accident or is yeah. this a sign of an animal welfare case? And then it's always a really uh, – Tricky decision you make as a vet, you know, when to report someone mm. if you're suspicious of this. Because so you, you can do that. You can you can yeah. definitely report, but you don't want to report someone and do, um, put them off coming to the vet. Yeah. Like you're happy that at least they're seeking help for their pet yeah. and you don't want to scare them off that. 
So obviously if you think that there is um, the possibility or if you're pretty sure that there's animal cruelty, we mm. will report them. But at the same time, you just have to be careful yeah. about, you know, you want them to at least seek veterinary advice if there has been animal cruelty involved. And is that the police or is it a particular? You'd go through the RSPCA. Right, you yeah. tell them and yeah. then. And um, it's quite interesting, you we get taught at uni as well. Um, there's actually a link between domestic violence and animal cruelty. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, you've also got to make that decision, you know, do if you've got any concerns about domestic violence as well, that could be going on when you're seeing this animal repetitively for animal mm. um, cruelty, you know, you can call the police and if you've got any concerns about that, you can report people if you need to. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't think anything annoys me or gets under my skin more than – people injuring animal defenseless animals yeah. well, i remember when i was about 14 uh a mate and i we were riding to cricket training and we saw a guy he was probably like 50 uh just like kicking this dog and oh, like just disgusting. he had had its foot on on its neck and was just like whole and it was like making a horrible sound and we got off our bikes and like i don't know we both just sort of looked at each other and said we should do something we were just kind of like bumped him out of the way like shoulder barged him so the dog could run off and he was like trying yeah. to grab us then and we were too fast for him but <laughs> i just yeah it's nothing drives me more crazy than it's the lowest of lows i think yeah yeah hurting yeah. you know defenseless like you know animals and yeah like I, and children as well like just someone mm. who something or someone who cannot defend themselves and being that low it's, yeah. it's disgusting it's really yeah. bad is indeed um now, is, is it stressful, uh, this is obviously a sad part of the job, where you, you're dealing with families uh, or a person that comes in and has got no option but yeah. to put their yeah. pet down? That, that must be hard to get used to. Was it hard to get used to when you started out? Yeah, for sure. So, you definitely, you become desensitised uh, to an extent, mm. but I still find every euthanasia sad and I don't yeah. beat myself up for finding it sad. I think that's just a normal part of being a caring sort absolutely, of person. Yeah. Like, and even if it's a clear situation, there's absolutely nothing else that can be done for the dog, has poor quality of life and the only thing is to put it down. Mm. It's always going to be a sad thing for a family, um, especially if there's young children as well. So, yeah, I kind of allow myself to be sad for the – not. it's almost you're sad for the clients as well. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, you have to learn to, I guess, leave that at work and not bring it home with you. Mm. Um, it could definitely cause a lot of issues if it was something that you couldn't leave at work. You have, yeah. you know, one or two cases that you don't re- – it sounds a bit horrible, but you kind of don't remember every euthanasia. There's right. just a few, um, you know, there's some that it, you'll remember for the rest of your life. But Are you doing a lot? Is that why? Yeah. Is because you're doing so many? Yeah, 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 you do a lot. So you're dealing – in the job you're dealing with, death in one way or another um, mm. every day. Yeah. So whether or not it's actually giving the youth, giving that final injection, um, moving a dead body or, you know, explaining to a, a client it's time to euthanize your animal. Right. Yeah, it's something you're always kind of dealing with and you try not to get too attached to every animal mm. and every client. So I think that's probably why you can't possibly remember every euthanasia yeah. you do. As horrible as – I feel horrible saying that, but you need to kind of protect yourself yeah. at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. The, yeah. And, and I'm, some people are so attached um, to their pet. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, so, you know, some elderly people might have a, a dog or a yeah. cat that is everything they have now, yeah. you know. So you kind of like – a almost like a counsellor as well, getting them through that yeah. that situation. Yeah, and that's a 
massive part of the job and, you know, we have students coming through our hospital and stuff and I always say to them, you've got to love humans as much as what you love animals in this job because you are definitely counselling them. Yeah. You know, there, there's times in euthanasias where uh, you'll be talking with them for, you know, an hour mm. at least discussing, you know, why we need to do this and yeah. um, just trying to talk them through it. People will come in and say, you know, got this dog with my husband now my husband's gone and he this is all I have left oh, and yeah. you know or if their dog has cancer maybe they've been through cancer treatment mm. as well and it can just be a really sensitive yeah. um, issue with them so you need to counsel them through those things yeah. yeah and so you feel you you're dealing with it better now than when you started you think yeah yeah so I think you know it's just come kind of comes with experience you kind of you, I don't. I think in those situations, it's never a right or wrong thing to say, but it's just more about being, uh, I guess, like relaxed in those situations and feeling more comfortable discussing options. And yeah, I think just a lot of it's just being comfortable and trying to comfort people. Mm. And yeah, like I said, you do in a way. I allow myself to feel sad and ease to euthanasia, but not get attached to everyone and every pet, or else you just couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I imagine there'd be a lot of vets that could have be their breaking point to re- you know quit. From, oh yeah, for from sure. Having yeah. to put up with that all the yeah, time, It'd yeah, be quite, definitely. Yeah, especially if you just couldn't, you know, get over each one. Yeah, you know, yeah. By case by case, you just think, yeah, yeah, yeah. A big part of the job is, uh, unfortunately, you're dealing with death and euthanasia mm. a lot, um, and it's not for everyone, and that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, see, then then when you hear that, and then you hear the pr- the pay scale, oh, you're like, yeah. what? It doesn't yeah. doesn't really add up. But then, yeah. yeah. But then again, you could say that for nurses and, you know, they're, yeah. they're copying that same sort of... Exactly, yeah, the um, healthcare sector, it, yeah, it's hard. Mm. Uh, we're on a bit of a Debbie Downer at the moment with my <laughs> questions. Um, we're just going to stay there for one more question then yeah, we'll start sure. to go into the uh, upbeat stuff. But it leads me to my next question. Uh, we, You told me this before the podcast, a stat that just blew my mind, mm. I couldn't believe it, and that is that the suicide rates within the vet industry for vets is four times yeah. higher than the general public. I, yeah, I never so. knew that. I know, it's scary. It's scary thinking that so many, so many of my friends are vets and mm. the thought of them being in that statistic yeah. is just so frightening. Thank God I've, I don't know of um, – I don't know anyone personally who um, has committed suicide within mm. the veterinary um, community, thank God. But, yeah, certainly many of my friends throughout uni, you know, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of people on medication for that. Is, do you um, think all that, you know, the lower pay, the high stress, the yeah, sadness yeah. with the, so, the that comes with it is just snowballs and that's what leads to everything? I think so. I think the I – don't, I don't know the reason but I think part of – there's multiple reasons I guess why suicide rates are so high in vets. Mm. I definitely think one of them is um, we see euthanasia as a positive thing very often. We see it as, you know, this animal has oh, low right. quality yep. of life like, you know – we're putting them out of their misery sometimes with mm. euthanasia. Yep. So we almost see it, yeah, as, as like a relief for the animal mm. um, to, for, to get out of a horrible situation. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, maybe some people reflect that within their own life as yeah. well. Is that, is that spoken about a lot within the veterinary sort of fraternity? Yeah. That, that that's, there's a, an issue there? And yeah, do, is it there like, is now. I, okay. Yeah, right. it's becoming more and more of a thing now where we try and, you know, raise awareness of mental health. Mm. I guess another thing is we have access to so many lethal drugs, and we know how they oh, work. Oh right, yeah. I, I never thought of that. Yeah, either. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the general public would un- would know this. That no, no, it's no. It's quite a disturbing, isn't it? It's, yeah, um, yeah. Sad. 
Yeah, and I think, yeah, like you were saying as well, um, the low salary, you often leave university with a massive debt mm. and, you know, I, I'd say income definitely is an, just another pressure on top of it as well. Yeah. So is there, is there like a, a veterinary union that you're involved in? That uh... So vets actually aren't covered by any union, um, which I find a bit of an issue. So we have the AVA, which will represent employees and employers, but I don't think that's a smart thing, having the same industry representing employees and employers. And I, yeah. I think that vets definitely need a union to, you know, push the award rate up, Absolutely, increase yeah. salaries – increase, um, take the pressure off it. So they can do crazy hours. Mm. I've got friends who will do, you know, work overnight five days in a row and, yeah. you know, do like – I've heard of vets doing 100 hours a week and all these crazy things. Is this in like emergency yeah. vet hospitals that uh, need to monitor yeah. 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 pets yeah. overnight? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 24-hour hospitals and things. And I think we just need a body that's supporting workers mm. um, and not supporting – just um, the people employing the workers. I think we need our own separate body to give vets a voice. And I think if there was a community that got all the workers together, I think we could actually make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. It it surprises me that it is like that with the salary and that uh, unfortunate suicide rate because it's such a big industry and – it seems like there's a lot of like every, so many people have pets. Like I know, like, yeah. Like having a dog now is. Yeah. I know it's always been popular, but having a dog now is it's huge the, now. the thing. You know, yeah, like, like um, everybody, the dogs, cats. It's, yeah, I think people are having kids later in life now, so they yeah. often get a pet, pet first. first. Yeah, um, and they definitely turn into their fur babies. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think you and you're the you're the only yeah. line, but you know, to help the caregiver. Yeah, the yeah. caregiver in that. Yeah. Industry. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that we play a pretty important role in the community. Like, yeah, I think, yeah. You know, people often look to us, you know, they say to us, like, you know, this is our baby, can you please mm. do your best to save it? Yeah. And, you know, I never, ever compare human life to animal life. That's just something I just don't do. But some people do see um, their pets definitely as a part of the family. And right. some people don't. Some people say, oh, it's just a dog, do whatever you want to it. Mm. And some people say, no, I need this dog to live. Like, yeah. it needs to survive sort of thing. So, yeah, I guess it, it does come with a – you have quite an important role to play in high pressure. Right. Interesting stuff. Now, what are your thoughts? We're just talking about dogs yeah. and oh, and cats as well uh, yeah. with designer breeding uh, yeah. with so many – you know, there's so many animals sitting in rescue shelters around yeah. Australia. Uh, do you think there should be more restrictions on breeding or, or, or yeah. policies put in place? Yeah, so – I'm definitely like a, a fan of adopt, don't shop type thing. Yeah, it's feel, um, I feel like the general public is yeah, is in that. Like yeah. I, I know friends that have got dogs in the last 12 months, probably three or four friends that have got dogs and they all rescue dogs. Yeah. Um, I feel like the general public is starting to yeah. realise that the problem we have and that, you know, it's still yeah. a beautiful dog. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, there used to be this misconceived idea that, you know, there's something wrong with them, that's why they're in the pound, but mm. they really make the best pets. Yeah. And like I was saying before, I can't advocate enough for greyhounds as yeah, they make yeah, the best yeah. pets. Um, and, yeah, we definitely see a lot more problems in the purebreds. Um, and I get it, they're so freaking cute. Like I love pugs, they're so yeah. gorgeous. And the French bulldogs, I I get it, like they're adorable. Mm. But um, at the same time, if you're going to get one of those breeds, you need to be prepared to make more visits to the vet and have higher, you know, it's going to cost you more money. Is that um, because like with designer breeds, 
Obviously, pugs. I can yeah. tell just from looking at one and yeah. listening to one move. How was that evolution? Yeah, How yeah. Did they ever evolve? Yeah, like, <laughs> they just stru- sound like they're struggling to breathe, and they are. They literally are. Like that is amazing, isn't it? I know. It, it is bizarre that we've designed this breed that most a lot of them need to go to surgery to allow them to breathe like a normal oh, dog. Wow. Like the fact that they make that sound as they're breathing in, it shouldn't be normal. That that shouldn't be yeah. a struggle for them. You know, people say, oh, I don't want to put my pug under general anaesthetic because it's going to have side effects. And I say to them, that's going to be the best moment that pug's ever breathed. We open really? up those airways for that pug. <laughs> like, that's gonna, he's going to love it. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, we've designed these bulldogs where they literally can't have a natural birth, they need caesareans because their heads are so big. Yeah. And I just think if these – Which ones? Is that like the French bulldog? uh, I think it's like the American bulldogs and things, like, you know, those big beefy looking ones. Yeah, Um, And a lot of them will need caesareans um, because the birth canal isn't big enough for their heads. And I just kind of think, you know, if if they actually can't have a natural birth, why are we selecting for these genes? It's just not worth it. I I didn't know that about – I I, I thought – Pugs have a breathing problem, but I didn't realise it was something that needed to be fixed from birth. Like it's yeah, so some of them – many pugs will do fine without airway surgery, but don't be shocked if you take your pug to the vet and they say that your dog's going to need their nostrils opened up higher, yeah. wider, sorry, or, um, you know, have parts of their throat reconstructed as well. Wow. Is, yeah. there, is there another designer dog you see a lot of apart from a pug? Is there others – do we see so we see um see a lot of french bulldogs as well and like yeah i still think that like i they are so cute like and they (laughs) really have lovely personalities like they are beautiful dogs and if you want to get one you can like definitely i can understand why people want them as pets do they they not bark that much is that Um, they've been bred they bark yeah Yeah. they bark a bit um they'll they're usually quite yappy but you know they have they can have heaps of like uh, skin issues and mm. um, they're predisposed to certain types of skin tumors and things as well. Right. So yeah. Yeah, I just feel like as uh, well, definitely this country, I feel like we could get onto it the issue by just. I know there's breeders that you know make a living off yeah. breeding dogs, but just try and curtail it so we just get. All the, first of all, get all the dogs out of shelters exactly. into people's homes that want a dog yeah. and then start again. It yeah. feels like we're behind the eight ball. There's that many dogs in shelters. We haven't got enough houses to go into. Yeah. Just maybe stop for six months. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And just let them, yeah, be It would adopted. be lovely. And I think like I just don't think you can go wrong. I just adopting dogs from a shelter, you're doing – you're helping a dog to start off with that needs mm. a home. And often they're mixed breeds and things as well and – you, you can't guarantee it, but generally um, they're just going to be a lower maintenance dog as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Any shelter dog I've ever met that has been rescued seems so lovely. They, they you are. Can, I, I know. Yeah. I don't know what they're thinking, but you can tell they appreciate the situation. I swear they know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they know yeah. how good they've got it now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, you had an incident. You were saying uh, you told me about uh, when you were working in America. Yes. Yeah. And a client wanted to clone their pet. $50,000? Is this freaking ridiculous? <laughs> like I have this thing. I try not to judge clients, but I'm sorry. I am judging that yeah. person. <laughs> Who the hell spends $50,000 to clone a pet? Like, Is we'll it just... possible? Yeah. So there's a company. Um, I'm, so I never actually met the client. I'm, it's one of my biggest regrets not actually meeting this person. I'd just love to meet who would actually do this. <laughs> 
And you can go through this company and the process is you get the dog in, you give it either sedation or like anaesthetic and you take a biopsy usually from its skin Yeah. Uh, and you get – the idea is that you get a subset of cells there that you can send away to a company. Uh, they'll grow it in a Petri dish um, oh and when you want to, you take a donor egg, you inject the cells into the donor egg and then you put the donor egg into a surrogate mother. Wow. Yeah, so so like you could have the same pet for – Yes. Yeah, so the idea is that it comes back as like the identical twin yeah. for that dog. Yeah. But I don't know if these people fully understood that it doesn't guarantee the same personality as oh, really? your dog. Yeah, because it's like the nature and nurture thing, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. like about the environment that it's brought up in and everything as well. <laughs> and the part that blew my mind so much about that was this dog was dying of a um, hereditary kidney issue. So right. it. Oh, I'd, gonna, I'd yeah. say the clone is probably going to have the have, same it, issue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I just think the ethics behind that is like $50,000. You could help so many animals yeah. and to just clone a dog. I don't, I, I don't know if I agree with it. Yeah, I didn't even know that was possible to yeah, clone. I don't think it, sh- it shouldn't be possible. <laughs> I think it's gone too far. <laughs> $50,000 is, yeah, that is a lot it's of money. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Um, yeah. So when you were in America, uh, what were you doing over there? Um, so I was like a shadowing vet uh, in some specialty clinics over there. Okay. Uh, it was a really good experience. I was working in areas uh, where there's quite a bit of wealth and – Hence the $50,000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and these people like really – majority of clients there really loved their pets. They were definitely yeah. at the end of the spectrum where the pet was a part of the family. Right. And it wasn't uncommon, that, uncommon for them to leave with um, – you know, really high vet bills. I was working in a section where, like, the this is where the sickest animals were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was actually quite funny working with um, American clients because they don't have healthcare like we do here. Um, and I for themselves for, no, for, for humans, the, yeah, yeah, right. So they, yeah, yeah. I think they have more of an idea as to um, the cost of healthcare. So they right. didn't complain as much about the cost of vet bills because I think that they were able to compare it to human. Probably spending 10 times more on themselves. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. And it's interesting you say 10 times more because they have shown these um, side-by-side comparisons of the same surgery in a dog and a human and it is literally 10 times more to – the cost is 10 times more right. in a human um, in comparison to a dog. Um, so I think that they just kind of had more understanding that, you know, these things can be quite expensive. Right. Yeah. And you're over there for a month. Yeah. 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 That's great. Uh, it's just speaking of operating on dogs and humans, do, if you had, say, there's an explosion, right? <laughs> yeah. Every doctor in the world is wiped out. We need someone to operate on a human. Yeah. Could you do it? Could you do like a – you needed to dissex a man. Is it a, is it a similar – Situation. It, you'd be surprised how similar human physiology and anatomy is to, um, like yeah. especially uh, cats and dogs. Cats, I'd heard that. Yeah, yeah. So dog. Yeah, right. So dogs yeah. are similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I guess as a vet, like I'm sure I could give the anaesthetic. I'm sure it'd be they use the same anaesthetic drugs as humans to animals. Is that same right? principles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Do you count to ten for an animal when they tell the animal to count to ten? <laughs> as count back from 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure I could give it a shot. Yeah. Try to well, that's good to do you know. want to volunteer? No, no. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, finally, what we went a bit down in the dumps there, yeah. uh, but I think it's necessary. We yeah. find out about things that people didn't know. But what, what do you love most about being 
yeah. event? What is it that gets you up every morning and back into the clinic and yeah. um, cut, cutting things open? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would definitely be those days where you get up and you can finish the day and you feel like that you've actually helped an owner and helped their mm. pet and you've made a positive impact yeah. uh, on their life or just even on their day or, you know, I'd say that's probably the main thing that makes me want to do this job. Yeah. And do you have aspirations of – we talked about your heroes, Dr. Harry Cooper <laughs> and Dr. Chris Brown. Yeah. Do you have aspirations of being a TV vet or anything like that, like <laughs> having your own show or um, maybe popping up on Better Homes and Gardens yeah. as the do- – you know, has your dog got – Smelly breath. Well, yeah, you do a little yeah. segment like that. I'm sure that would, yeah, that would be a that'd be a really fun way to, um, uh, I guess, educate people on responsible pet ownership. And yeah, yeah, that'd be great. It'd be heaps of fun. And yeah, it's fun to stay in clinics and have a variety of yeah. um, cases as well. Yeah, that'd be great. You might yeah. come across a snake though at some point. Um, yeah, I'm out. Which is, well, <laughs> <laughs> might hinge the job on yeah. whether you get it or not. Uh, no worries. Well, that's uh, that's about it. Thanks very much for taking it easy with me. Uh, we'll just get you to plug your social media. Now, people can – I've seen on your Instagram you put a, the odd photo up of different animals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's your Instagram where people can follow you? Um, I'm pretty sure it's just Lara Davies Vet. Right. I should have checked this. Oh, that's before. fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm I can, pretty sure it's that. Um, I'll double check and I'll, I'll put a little thing at the end where I'll wrap it up and can plug that for you. Sure. So if, they're gonna, if people are going to – have the choice adopt that's what we want yeah from definitely. get from shelters yeah get around the shelters get around rspca yeah lost dogs home lost smith yeah as much yeah. as you can excellent all right yeah. no worries well thanks again and no uh take it easy see you next time thanks for having me no worries hey thanks for listening if you would like to follow or contact lara Lara Davies Vet. She can be found on Instagram under Lara Davies Vet. She's got some great photos on there for the puppies and things she deals with. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a mate or 20. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please subscribe, comment, leave a comment or a rating even. That'd be appreciated. For not iTunes listeners, steer them towards my website, danielconnell.com.au and check the podcast section on that page. Uh, also have a look at my gigs page. We've got a lot of shows coming up. Uh, around the country of doing a new show, Bit of Shush, at all the festivals. It's on sale now. Uh, and if you're on Facebook, you may as well head to my Facebook page, Daniel Connell Comedy, and give that a little like as well. That's it. Cheers. Take it easy.